Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guest today is Arsenal footballer Jen Beattie, who I had the privilege of seeing win the Helen Rollison Award at the Sunday Times Sportsman of the Year Awards last year. Her story of courage and tenacity in the face of adversity made me instantly want to reach out to interview her. And so I am so excited to have her here today. Um, she has said she had a late night last night, but she had a line this morning. So hopefully you're feeling fresh, Jen. <laughs> I, um, thank you so much for having me. No, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. And um, like I said, obviously, I, I hadn't heard of your story until the award ceremony last year. Was it? It was last year, wasn't it? God, that feels like a long time ago. And I just really found... The, you know, the way that you spoke and kind of your message around everything that you've gone through, just so inspiring. And so I'd love to chat through that today. But I really wanted to start, you know, as a female football player, I wanted to hear how you got into it. You know, you grew up in a sporty household. When I was reading about you, I was like, wow, her whole family basically seemed so there sporty. So I'm guessing it was in your blood to go into sport. It must have been. Yeah, I did. I grew up in a very sporty household. My dad and my brother, uh, well, my dad was a British Lion and a Scotland international rugby player. My brother is now retired as well, but he was a, a Scottish international rugby player as well. So the obvious mess question might be how I got into football, but yeah. I, th- I think I was just thrown into to all sports, to be honest, and just just absolutely loved the sort of active lifestyle. And But yeah, obviously fell in love with football and continued with that. Did you play rugby as a kid? I actually didn't. Rugby was probably the one sport that my dad maybe was a bit hesitant to, to let me get into. I kind of tennis, golf, hockey, football were, were the kind of things that were, first and foremost were available at school and kind of that's what my friends were playing as well. So no rugby, but pretty much everything else. And the journey from, I guess, just enjoying it as a as a recreational thing to being a professional footballer. I mean, I know we're, we're living in a time now where women's football is 
so much more accessible. It's getting the airtime that it deserves. But that wasn't always the case, I'm guessing. So, you know, to see yourself as a professional, did you find that challenging, I guess? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll be honest. What, when this question's asked, it's, it's, it's hard to put into words, but the job as a, a professional footballer didn't necessarily exist. So I was, I was playing f- football purely for enjoyment, you know, playing with boys teams. And, you know, I played with one of my best friends at the time as well. But in all honesty, bend it like Beckham. Kira Knightley and that whole sort of scholarship to America was kind of that was the dream that was kind of the big thing that was potentially mm. available so I mean I remember making a UCAS application for university but but thinking about a year out as well sorry age 17 18 not really knowing what I was doing and and then that's when the opportunity to come down to Arsenal came up but yeah in all honesty the the professional football idea for a female just didn't necessarily exist when when i was a kid i saw this thing on uh instagram the other day which was the 20 year anniversary i think it was 20 year or yeah 20 year anniversary of the uh, release of bend it like beckham and i just remember being like oh my god first of all i can't believe it's 20 years but also wow that film was so groundbreaking in so many ways and i think it really inspired so many people to get into football definitely i remember one of my birthday parties was to go and see bend it like Beckham if it was 20 years so that would have made me uh, 10 or 11 yeah and um, and I'll still remember it to this day you know taking friends with little pick and mixes that my mum had made up to to go and watch this film and just fell in love with the idea of playing football yeah no definitely the women's game is growing in popularity I've seen you know even I've just seen things online um, I followed the sport for ages and I think my first kind of dalliance into women's football I went to go and see the um, Euros in France I think you played in Nice I want to say yeah, about four, four years ago I went to go and watch that mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah it just seems as though it's ever growing and people are more and more interested in, in the women's side of, of the game which is great what would you say were the obstacles that were in the way of you becoming a professional you know things like I'm um, you know for, for guys for example it's so easy to get funding and scholarships and um, you know there are um, schemes that they can go into but was that the same as a woman and do you feel like that's maybe something that has changed or needs to change definitely I, I always say look w- women's football has come on so far I always feel incredibly lucky to to have been able to see it grow from you know when I was 18 to now and the WSL being fully professionalised and every team playing and training full time but I kind of you know we have regular discussions amongst the team even nowadays that I think if you're a female still in the in the football industry you, you just have a responsibility to keep pushing and keep growing and mm. keep you know chapping on doors to to have conversations even no matter what club you're at what if you're in WSL2 or WSL1 that we need big clubs like Arsenal like Chelsea like what Man City have done the past few years to to keep growing the game and keep funding women's teams because there are incredible players out there and incredible teams that are just trying to prove themselves but I think one of the biggest things is probably just attitudes of of general public kind of we've had men's football for so long but now sort of realising that women's football can be really great and we can get big crowds and there is a product there for, for people to enjoy. I think that's that's one of the biggest things. Definitely. And also the sponsorship and that side of things as well is super important, I'm guessing. 100%. I think Sky Sports came on board this year for our league and that level of exposure, you, you can you can see already that the, the game is growing even in, in one season. And yeah. like what you said, even coming to watch, I think it was the World Cup in, in 2019. That was it. In Nice, yeah. <laughs> but was not my yeah. strongest point. <laughs> But I was really honoured to be invited. I was like, I have to go and watch this. But when I, yeah. <laughs> totally. But I, I always find that the tournament years are such markers for, for how much the game is growing when when attendances or, or TV viewers have increased massively. And 
Mm. The Euros are coming up in England and I honestly think that'll be another massive turning point for women's football, especially in England. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of like when you were coming up as a as a young professional, who were the people that you looked up to? Like who was really paving the way for someone like yourself to to forge a career as you have? I thought well, I think that was one of the the most amazing things about getting the opportunity to come to Arsenal when I was eighteen because the players in that era were were Kelly Smith, Rachel Yankee, wow. Alex Scott. They were all Arsenal players. So to come down and, and have that opportunity to not just, you know, be playing with with role models that I looked up to, but to be training every day with them, it was it was such a, an incredible, I guess, turning point for me as a person and as a player. But you know, I still look up to them now for what they've done after retirement, going into to coaching and stuff like that. So they're incredible players, but also amazing people for me at that time and my age. Yeah, and they're becoming um, personalities in themselves, aren't they? And I think that's the great thing is that, you know, you look at players in the men's game, for example, and a lot of them will go on to have media careers or to go on to do presenting and stuff. And you're starting to see that as well happen from the women's game. Look at someone like Alex Scott and there are other people I was just watching. My, well, my boyfriend's very into football. <laughs> and um, there's an amazing female presenter who I can't remember her name, which is so rubbish of me, but she you know, sits on the main uh, Sky Sports reporting team. And it's it's great to see that. It's great to see that level of diversity at the top level. Sue Smith. That's yeah. it, Sue Smith. Yeah, no, she's it, brilliant. It is amazing. And you know, everyone's seen Alex Scott and how successful she's been in the sort of media industry and that you know they're the kind of people I like I, I speak to Alex all the time and try and catch up with Kaz for a coffee every now and then as well because it is those kind of people that have gone on to be so successful and mm. are so driven in what they do that you know I know I'm still playing but you know my, mm. my playing time will eventually come to a stop and mm. I want to be ready for it not just physically but more so mentally and those are the kind of people that you, you try and catch up with to kind of just get advice really because they've, they've gone through it and have been so successful in what they're doing so I think it's yeah it's definitely one thing that I'm trying to prepare myself for as well. Definitely. And now talking about your career, uh, I'd love to hear, obviously you haven't finished playing yet, but, but no. <laughs> thus far, <laughs> thus far, are there any real highlights here and any things that you really cling on to as an amazing memory? Uh, well, it's, it's funny, you were in you were in Nice for the, the 2019 World Cup, but but that for me, that that was my first major tournament. So to, to get there with Scotland and to, to be playing at a World Cup, that for me felt like a dream come true or a dream that maybe didn't even necessarily exist but yeah. one of the sort of moments that I'll, I'll never forget we played Argentina in the, the third group game and it was at Parc de Prince in Paris and I actually scored against Argentina but the the thing that always makes me get goosebumps in this is it was on the same pitch that my dad had scored a try against France uh -huh. And my dad didn't score many tries and I definitely don't score many goals. So to have that sort of coincidence or, you know, it was just one of the things I've got a picture of me scoring and the picture of my dad scoring. And that's definitely one of my favourite memories for, for sure. That's amazing. And did you know that going into the game? Did you know that he scored there? No, I actually didn't. I, I had no idea. And it wasn't until after it, like my dad, my dad's uh, well, humble is probably one of the main words I'd describe to, to describe my dad. But yeah. you know, he he hadn't mentioned any anything like that, and it wasn't until after that he sent me a little video of of him scoring, and it was just one of those incredible moments. That you just think, how how has that happened? But yeah, how funny! I was meant yeah. to be serendipitous. Yeah. Um. Now at the start of this episode, obviously, I mentioned a little bit about your story and your journey to how you won the Helen Rollison Award at the Sportswoman of the Year Awards. Can you tell me a little bit more about why you won the award? I thought I. 
I would rather leave it to your words to explain maybe how you uh, what led you to that place. Yeah. So again, that came, came completely out of the blue. That that call to say, you know, first and foremost, will you accept the word? Which was another moment I'll I'll sort of never forget. But in 2020, so of October 2020, I was diagnosed with with breast cancer and went through treatment for a couple of months. Um, and then decided to raise awareness on the subject and try and get as many people to go in and get checked and look yeah. after themselves because I had a few friends that worked in the NHS yeah. and the, one of the main things that they were saying that over lockdown and over COVID that the numbers for cancers being diagnosed had, had massively decreased. So I think it was it was in that moment that I kind of used or wanted to use the profile of being at Arsenal and, you know, the football community, which were incredible to, to raise, to raise an important subject and to make fe people feel encouraged, I guess, to go in and, and get checked. Because for me, it was a, it was a very safe environment. Everything felt, felt really um, well looked after in hospitals, even mm -hmm. in amongst COVID. And I think it was a, the awareness piece that, that the BBC then rang and said, you know, we'd love to award you the Helen Rollison Award. And that was definitely, you know, I, I had this conversation with my parents as well. And of all the things I've, I've maybe done in football, that to me is probably the one that I'm most proud of. Yeah. And I think that, um, look, a cancer diagnosis at any age is challenging. But I think one in someone who is a professional athlete, but, but also who is 29, I think you were. Yeah. You know, like it, it must have been incredibly unexpected and a really challenging diagnosis to overcome. How did you sort of get to that point? I know you've talked about, you know, making sure that you check for lumps and bumps and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Was it just a routine check that you just thought, mm, this doesn't feel quite right? And also, you know, being, as you mentioned, in a time of COVID, were you, you know, more... You know, because as you mentioned, a lot of people didn't feel confident enough to go to the doctors at that point. Yeah. Was it sort of something that you were just like, no, I need to go and I need to get this looked at? Yeah. So I obviously felt something abnormal, something just didn't quite feel right. Yeah. And I think it's at this point that I always feel incredibly lucky with the job I do because football was up and running by that point. And we had a doctor on site that I was able to, to ask, you know, can you have a feel of this, what do you think? And it's credit to her, she, she referred me on straight away. Yeah. Um, got me a checkup appointment that I obviously needed. And after a few tests, that was kind of, obviously a diagnosis came off the back of that. But I think I feel like I felt very lucky that I was able to go into work and had a doctor there on site to kind of help me through the process because, you know, I can totally understand why people wouldn't have wanted to go to their GP during during that difficult time. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when someone hears the words cancer, you can automatically go to quite a dark place. You know, it can feel hugely yeah. ominous and scary. Being only 29, you know, when you heard your diagnosis, how did you remain positive, I guess, and, and, and able to see that journey through and be able to stay uh, in a positive state of mind throughout your, your treatment process? I think, you know, it, it was... It was very unexpected. You know, I, I don't have any family history, like you said, professional athlete, you know, look after myself and it came completely out of the blue. So up until it was kind of diagnosed, I didn't really expect that that would be the outcome. But in all honesty, I, th I think to answer your question, I, I just gripped on to 
my teammates and and the people the people around me at that time because obviously my my family were were back home in Scotland. I couldn't necessarily see my friends all the time outside of football. So my team became absolutely everything. And you know, one of the one of the girls asked me that quite recently, and you know, it was like, how did you do it? How did? And I honestly think it was it was the people around me. You know, mm. I, I don't think it came within me. It, it came from talking about it and, and yeah. normalizing the conversation and you know if I had appointments or I had stuff coming up I would I would tell the girls and and they were incredible with me I even I don't think I've said this to many people but before I had the surgery I let I let the girls feel it because I was like this is what you need to look out for like this is what it might feel like so, so just kind of sharing it and yeah I guess yeah that's where I found strength in, in talking about it and leaning on people around me because I, I didn't really know what else to do but I think also I, I was lucky that it didn't limit me very much from playing football apart from the surgery one of the main things obviously I went through was radiotherapy and one the the doctor advised exercise as a kind of side effect or not a side effect sorry a counteract the side effect of mm. fatigue so when I turned around and said you know I, I I actually play football. That's my job. I'll be kind of like, right, okay, you'll be fine. Just keep going. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but yeah, but it was it was the one time where I felt normal, or, or yeah. the one time where I, I didn't feel like I was going through anything. It, it was my complete escape. You know, yeah. I, I got outside into the fresh air. Was able to run around, and that for me was the one point during the whole process or throughout the day where I'd feel normal and I'd feel that I wasn't thinking about anything health related. So that, that definitely got me through it. And I think it's just testament to the fact that, you know, we hear about team sports and I think, you know, I, I actually, in some ways, I'm sad that at school I was really rubbish at sport because I never got to experience like the buzz of being in a team because I never made the team. <laughs> but but I do really look at, you know, um, team sports. And even now I've had friends who've like joined netball teams later in life when they're older or, you know, but, amateur football teams and stuff. And just that camaraderie of having people around you and the connection that sport can bring. And I think it's a real testament to the power of sport that I think it kind of disarms you of any ego or any um, kind of, you know, anything, any baggage that you might bring to that yeah. space and actually just allows you to be who you are and what you do within that sport on the pitch or wherever it is. Um, and I think it's really amazing to hear that that was what got you through, that it wasn't necessarily, you know, an inner strength as such, although I'm sure there was some of that, but that it was really the environment that you were in that helped you to, to navigate such a difficult situation. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. When it came to coping strategies, obviously you've mentioned sport and you've mentioned your team, but was there anything else that you felt, you know, because I know that there are so many people who have gone through this or have friends that have gone through this or family members, you know, in terms of coping strategies for both yourself and maybe those around you as well, was there anything that you found particularly useful or helpful during mostly difficult times, I guess? I think for me, I've, I've always found yoga really helpful no matter what I'm kind of going through. I struggled with a lot of back pain over the past few years and yoga for me has always been such a massive physical benefit but that last sort of five ten minutes of, of meditation at the end just allowing you to sort of be still and be within your thoughts or or not even let your thoughts go anywhere but that for me is probably more of a mental benefit than it was a physical um, and it's still one of my most favorite times of the week is we, again we, we have a, a teacher that comes into the club and takes us through it sort of once or twice a week and 
you know, I think back to, to why I started it was for, was for my back, but I think why I continued it was, was definitely for, for the mental aspect, just having that space once or twice a week um, to allow your thoughts to, to come to a still. And, you know, especially when, you know, my mind did go to some dark places. It did go to some, to some really, really difficult times. And when you couldn't be around your friends, you couldn't be around teammates. You, you I went to work, but I came back home. Yoga was definitely that thing that I, in the really tough time, I maybe did two or three times a week. It's probably just once a week now, but that for me, yeah, became such a, a mental boost for me. Yeah, I, I know so many people who use yoga. I sort of, I love yoga and I um, I have to do it only when I'm on my own because I'm so competitive with it that if I do it in a class, I'm like, oh gosh, she's doing more than me. <laughs> and I don't yeah. feel like I get I get the benefits of it. But if I do it on my own, I do find that it, it's it's amazing and, it, and it's so yeah. powerful in times of like stress. I'm, I don't mind in saying, but I did speak to psychologists. Like they, they yeah. were hugely helpful throughout that time yeah. and, and taught me some things that I, I still use to this day. There's a, yeah. a strategy I use called check, challenge, change. Mm-hmm. Check is when an emotional stress comes. So it's check is, is why the, what was the trigger? Why did you think like that? Challenge is what's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? And what's the most probable? Yeah. And the change is what would you say to your friend? You know, you're, you're giving yourself all these negative thoughts, all these, all these, you know, just things that you wouldn't say to your friends. So, so what would you say? Yeah. And that I'll be driving home from training sometimes and, you know, I might have picked up a niggle or, or a negative thought might take over and I'll go through that process even when I'm just driving in the car and I can just feel my, my shoulders drop, the, the weight might lift and y- you just let go of those sort of negative thoughts. That for me is has been one of the most amazing things that I think a psychologist has ever taught me. Yeah, that is really powerful. I definitely will use that. In terms of um, getting your diagnosis, was there anything that you learnt along your journey that you think people might not know or might not expect to know, you know, when it comes to breast cancer? I think definitely one of the things that I learned is that, I mean, my background was also sport. So my background came from if something was was sore or hurt, you you went to get it scanned and it was very much black and white and you you rehabbed it over a certain time frame and then you'd be absolutely fine. Right. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer, it definitely caught me off guard how how long the process can be, how many different types of cancers there are, how many different types of treatment processes there are, and also how, how it can be okay. You know, I think my mind definitely went to a very dark place and I'm so grateful, obviously, to, to have had an incredible surgeon and amazing nurses around me that put me through a great treatment process and, and I, I am okay, but it definitely was a surprise to me. Uh, well, first, I had no family history, so I didn't know much about it. It was very mm. much a, a learning process for me throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but it, I, de- I didn't know much about it at all. So it was it was a lot to me to know that there are a lot of di- different types of cancer and that was very much a learning process for me. And so in terms of the process of recovery, you had radiotherapy and an operation to remove the tumour. Yeah. Um, and then was your recovery sort of coming up out of that? Yeah, so I had a lumpectomy and lymph nodes taken out under my armpit, obviously. And then I think I had two weeks of radiotherapy and that was lovely because it finished right before Christmas and then I, I got managed to get a Christmas at home which was which was amazing and then I take a drug called tamoxifen 
which I think I take for about five years. And I will have checkups every six months for the initial two years, I think. Mm -hmm. I actually have one today, later on today. Ah. Um, so it's quite apt that we're, we're having this chat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is, it, I feel, I mean, I was diagnosed at stage one also. Mm -hmm. So it, I managed to, to get a grip of things quite early, which was also right. helpful for the process. But I really do feel like I'm being looked after and, you know, checkups are there for a reason. And of course, I feel anxious and, and nervous about it. I always feel anxious when this time comes around, but they're there for a reason and they're there to be checked. And, you know, it's it's part of the process and it's, it's now part of my life. Yeah. And it's something that we should all be doing, you know, checking for lumps and, and knowing how to do that as well is really important. Right. And you, you said at the start, you've made it your mission to, to raise awareness, particularly within, you know, you're, you're the same age as me and in, in sort of our age group and that younger age group who might not think to necessarily check themselves as regularly yeah. or go to the doctors if something doesn't feel quite right. Um, have you got any advice for people um, who are listening to this and thinking, okay, yeah, maybe I should start to just take a little bit more awareness of my boobs and other bits and um you know where to start with all of that yeah so as when i was younger I, d I don't think i really knew how to how to check properly you know but obviously having gone through the process of yeah. of being diagnosed with something you know you, you learn how to how to check properly but the advice i was given by the nurses was the best time to check is sort of day between day six and ten of your cycle so normally mm -hmm. when you come off your period yeah. Uh, once a month because your breast tissue can can change a lot with your cycle as as we all know yeah. um and with hot soapy water in the shower that is the best and most easiest way to check if there's any change or anything that feels different so that was the best advice i would give them and that's the one that i would always kind of say to anyone who asks and you know it, it might sound silly but the, there'll be times where again like you're saying the benefits of team sport there'll be times yeah. where even we'll be in the shower and I'll be like, right, okay, quick boob check. Mm. Um, and, and the girls will do it and it, it's great. Yeah. Like, cause it is, it is important, but I definitely didn't know the time around your cycle, how yeah. breast tissue can change over the course of a month based on that. And it's, it's such important information that, that people should know. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, one of the things that I remember being taught, I've had a friend who's gone through breast cancer and she just said, as I'll get to know your normal cause everyone's, breast tissue is going to feel different so you know if you know your normal and what your normal feels like yeah you're very much aware of if something then feels abnormal to to where you're normally at so i think that's that's really good tips and i i didn't know the hot soapy water so that's a good one yeah. they do say shower is the best time because yeah. you're sort of you know able to do it nice yeah. and easily in terms of your experience overall is there anything that you feel like this has taught you do you have any sort of like new approaches to life I guess when anything happens to you that's a shock and a kind of I guess a re rethink about where you're at in your life it kind of can spur you to do different things or to behave differently or to to go after new opportunities for example is there anything that you feel like this has taught you or do you do anything differently as a result yeah I do it, it might it might sound cliche or surprising but I, I remember a friend saying to me who actually works in in cancer research saying, you know, Jen, there's life before football and then, th sorry, there's life before cancer and then there's life after cancer. And it genuinely, it does, it, it changes your whole perception on life and what I worried about before just doesn't really come into the picture now. I think I appreciate, I appreciate football and my job way more than I probably ever did. I, I yeah. knew I was lucky to, to do the job I do, but I genuinely love, I love my job. 
it's it's so enjoyable. The fact that I get to play football with mates for a living is just I feel so appreciative of it. It also makes me think about life beyond football though. What I want what else do I want to achieve? Obviously I've I've made it the forefront of maybe most focus throughout my whole life up until this point, but I think now I'd love to look beyond that and what else am I interested in? What what would I like to do outside of football and, and when yeah. I retire? So it's, it's definitely made me appreciate things to a whole new level um, yeah. and look forward to, to things after football and, and when I retire. And can you give us an insight into what that might look like? What's on the horizon? <laughs> For me, I, you know, I, I obviously... I played with Alex for a little bit, and but you know, Strictly Come Dancing might not be for me. <laughs> you know, I'd I'd love to go down the media route. Yeah, my dad obviously does that up in in Scotland for BBC Scotland, so I'd like to to follow in his footsteps. And but to be honest, I just need to try things. I love mm. podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. <laughs> so yeah, that will be kind of my next focus. Actually, Arsenal have been and been great and and spoken about that and sort of helping develop me for an academy ambassador role and maybe working with things on the c- commercial side of football. Um, nice. So, yeah. I think it's nice to be in a position where the background that you have is, can be a real springboard into lots of exciting things, not necessarily just going down one route and kind of, um, you know, boxing yourself in. There's so many amazing things that you could that you could do. Um, I love the idea of the media stuff, but I also think that how exciting that you can throw yourself into lots of different things. I think the podcasting thing is great. And even just as an ambassador, I think you're an amazing role model for so many people who would want to go into the sport, particularly young girls. Um, so I think that sounds really exciting. Um, and in terms of what the future holds, apart from the work stuff, is there anything else that you are looking forward to? Particularly, you know, you, know, you haven't finished playing football yet. So, yeah. so what do the, what do the next two years have in terms of um, in terms of your your sport and um, what you want to get from it? There's still so much I obviously want to achieve in football and. Um, lifting trophies for Arsenal was one of the main reasons that I came back here and, and wanted to sign so yeah. um, you know the enjoyment aspect is through the roof but to, to lift a trophy with Arsenal would just be the icing on the cake Well I have my fingers crossed for you and I also just want to say like amazing amazing achievement that you have come out the other side of something incredibly challenging um, and the fact that you're now using your platform to raise awareness I think is huge and I think particularly and one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on is you know in healthy young populations I don't think cancer spoken about enough and I think to see a professional athlete come forwards and say you know even myself as you know picture of health to everyone outside of you know your circle Mm. uh, this also happened to me I think that's really really important Um, I'm not saying that there's any specific type of person who would get cancer but you know I think that having a conversation about you know checking in, in young women and young people um, is a huge thing. So I, I really am so grateful for your job in raising awareness and, and your very deserving award, uh, which I saw you win. No, thank you so much. I think that was definitely one of the biggest things for me is when I started to talk about it was 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 reali- realising how common it actually is. Yeah. I think and, until you go through something, you don't realise a lot of people are going through a similar process. So so okay. so speaking out actually made it so much easier for myself and well, okay. hopefully a lot of other people too. Yeah, I really hope so. Well, Jen, thank you so much for your time. I'm really, really grateful. And um, yeah, we can't wait to see what comes of you. I'm sh- I, I hope to maybe see you on Strictly Come Dancing one day. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Who, Who knows? knows? <laughs> no, thank you Have so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I would love it if you could take some time to rate, review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it. We have a new episode dropping each week so this will also ensure you don't miss out. See you next time. Insanity Group.